Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to James chapter 1, and we're going to read through from verse 1 to verse 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Shall we pray? Our Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to gather around your word. And as we come to this passage this morning, we ask that you might open it up to us, that we might see something of you and also see something of ourselves. And our Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. So this passage of James, verse uh, 1 to 8 of chapter 1, I've titled it, Which Way to Turn? You know, it's no secret that we're still going through the difficult times that COVID-19 has brought, and not just us, but everyone throughout the world. Sometimes we can be like a, a lost ship, looking for a safe harbour. And the truth is that even without COVID, life has never been easy. So this morning we read the start of a letter that James wrote to Christians who were suffering. He knew that they, like everyone else, were living in difficult times. But because of circumstances, they needed to leave Jerusalem. This meant that they would have been faced with the everyday problems of finding a place to live, looking for a job so that they could support their families. Some would have had families with younger children or maybe even older relatives that they needed to look after. But things were even harder for them because they were Christians. You see, they faced persecution because of their faith. But as we come to this letter, I want to ask firstly, who is James and what troubled times did he live through? Well, let's go to verse 1, the first part of verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, James lived in Jerusalem when it was occupied by Rome. The Roman army were there, resident in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there were also uh, three other followers of Jesus who were called James. But this James is the half-brother of Jesus. You see, after the miraculous birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph had other sons and daughters. We know this because Matthew and Mark both tell us. They tell us about the reaction of the people of Nazareth when Jesus returned to his home village and spoke in the local synagogue. This was their reaction. They said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother, his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? 
and they took offence at him. James, like the rest of his brothers and sisters, grew up believing that their older half-brother was not the promised one. Mary knew in her heart, but they struggled to accept it. It was only when he saw Jesus after the resurrection that he believed that Jesus really was the Messiah. And this is a challenge to us today. You see that James knowing about Jesus and even having him as his older stepbrother only made him a believer of Jesus and not a believer in Jesus. To believe about someone is not the same as believing in them. You know, I believe about my local dentist and I know what he can do. But that alone won't relieve me of toothache. And it's only when I put my belief into action and trust in him and let him remove the bad tooth. Back to James, in his introduction to his letter, he doesn't tell us that he is the half-brother of Jesus. He tells us at this point that his life has changed. He now sees himself, himself, James, as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how he's speaking about the one who is his half-brother. And this speaks of his recognition and acceptance of who Jesus really is. And it also speaks of the humility of James. He is humble in the sight of who Jesus is. And who is Jesus? God, who is the Lord. Jesus, the man, and Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. What do we know about Jesus? What do we know about who he is? More importantly, do we trust in him as our Lord and Saviour? Even James, his brother, had to come to God as a guilty sinner in need of salvation. How? Through the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. How much more do we need to come to God in the same way? Let's look into Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And we read there, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So back to James. What does James know about suffering? Well, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, James became one of the leaders in the early church at Jerusalem, where he faced opposition from all sides. Remember, he was related to the one the authorities had crucified as a criminal. Remember, he would have been friends with Stephen, a, fo a follower of Jesus who would be stoned to death for his faith. And another person named James, James the Apostle, the brother of John, would be killed by Herod because of his faith. 
You see, James knew all about living in difficult times. Who did James write to? Well, the second part of verse 1 tells us, The twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. These are the Jews who had believed in Jesus and had fled from Jerusalem. And in verse 2, we have an indication of what life was like for them. This is what we read. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You see, it seems that life was hard. But it wasn't just one problem, but many problems. And James isn't telling them that their problems will go away. But he is telling them how to face them. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. You see, the Christian attitude to hard times is to consider them, that is the hard times, in the lights. Now that they are in a new light, now that they know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. As well as being their saviour, he is always their shepherd, their good shepherd. And like David in Psalm 23, they could say, The Lord is my shepherd, and the Lord will lead me through troubled times, and he will lead me on into his house forever. As you face them, consider it pure joy. What does he mean? He means think about the end result. What will be the, the, the ultimate? The ultimate will be triumph of being in the place that the Lord has prepared for you. The troubles would not necessarily go away. In fact, some of them would end up like Stephen and like James the Apostle, end up dying for their faith. By the way, although the Bible, Bible doesn't tell us, tradition tells us that James, the writer of this letter, was later killed by those who opposed the gospel, and he was killed, they say, in Jerusalem. You see, the end result for those who trust in Jesus is not immunity from life's hardships, but immunity from the results of sin. The results of sin is to come under the wrath of God's judgment. By trusting in Jesus, who has taken the punishment for us, and by knowing that he stands in the presence of God the Father, and while he's there, he pleads our case so that we will be accepted into God's presence, not for anything we have done, but for what he did on the cross. You can't buy this. You can't earn this. But you can accept the offer that Jesus makes. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. When Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, we do have the burden of sin and he will deal with that. The rest is not the rest of an easy life. It is the rest that we have in the assurance he gives us of an eternal rest in his presence. And this offer is for all, no matter who we are, no matter how good or how bad we are. One evidence of this is the end result of one of the dying thieves who hung on the cross. 
next to Jesus. This thief had no time to change his way of life. He had nothing to offer Jesus other than his heart. And he turned to Jesus in faith and said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said to him today, you will be with me in paradise. You can read about that in Luke chapter 23. But don't take this meaning that you can wait till your dying death before you accept Jesus as your saviour. You might not get that opportunity. So we this morning need to listen to another verse, a verse from 2 Corinthians. This is verse 2 in chapter 6. For he says, in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Now there's another thought for us to take with us this morning. But back to the letter from James. Can there be any value in suffering? Well, verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now this is not relying upon your own strength. But it's putting into practice what you know. Turn your knowledge into know-how. Last week I, I had cause to look up the meaning of the word perseverance in the dictionary. And the definition is to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty or with little or no indication of success. James is saying to these struggling believers, continue in your faith, the faith you have in Jesus. The difficulty, knowing that even though you cannot see the end result, the result is yours. The victory is yours. Verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, maturity is, is it, it's a journey. It's a road to becoming fully grown. And in this context, it is about spiritual growth. So carry on as you have been. This is what James is saying. Take heart. There is value in these things, these struggled, these difficult times. And we come to verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In other words, take it to the Lord in prayer. Just like the words of the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer. Verse 6 of our passage. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Then verse 7. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And verse 8. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, this is probably the, the little section that led me uh, to this thought for this morning and titling this passage, Which Way to Turn? The way is 
to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Pray. And when you pray, believe. Believe what? That even if your prayer is not answered in the way that you expected, believe that the Lord is with you. Just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. When King Nebuchadnezzar ordered them to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they knew which way to turn. And in no matter what the outcome would be, even if it was death, they would never doubt the Lord's presence with them. We read all about that in Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. Let's read a few verses there. This is what they said to Nebuchadnezzar. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You see, in context with our passage this morning, they didn't know what God would do. This was a very troubling time for them. But they didn't doubt that whatever he did would be right. Which way to turn? If you don't know Jesus as your saviour, why not turn to him? Receive and know the peace and the rest that only he can give. If you do know Jesus as your saviour, he is also your shepherd, so turn to him and let him lead you, whether it be by the still waters or through the valley of the shadow of death. One verse to finish with this morning, well, it's a couple of verses really from John 14. This is what Jesus said. And these words still speak to us today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we thank you for these words, your words, and we ask that we might take them to heart, not just know them, but we might react to them, react in faith, react in acceptance of who you are, and then act by trusting in you whatever the circumstances. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.